You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open. <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Got it. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, another day of work is in the books. We're recapping day three from the Baptist Health Training Complex. We had a different angle today, so I'm excited to talk a little bit more about trench play than we have the first two shows Plus, full practice notes and sound from head coach Mike McDaniel, Bradley Chubb, Zach Sealer, Duke Riley, and a whole heck of a lot more. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. So the defense is going to get most of the run today. What a performance they put on Friday inside the indoor complex here at Baptist Health Training Complex. We saw... It in practice at times last year where the offense really just kind of did whatever they wanted for large stretches of, of time. And I'm not sure I've ever seen it like this before, but man, the defense just did whatever they wanted to do on Friday. Rush the quarterback, stack the run, defend the passes that did get thrown. It was on display really at all three levels. And I want to start here with the news of the day and what I think is the coolest thing about this team and covering it for the last season plus you guys hear me talk about this all the time, the, the right kind of people, the right kind of players, a certain type of human who is not just you know cordial, but they treat everybody with the same level of respect and that type of character. And I think it really spawns a thirst to play for one another when it comes to the game of football. And even before the Jalen Ramsey injury, we had heard McDaniel mention Ramsey's complete buy-in to the program And if you recall my podcast way back in March when we traded for Jalen Ramsey with Jordan Rodriguez, who covers the Rams and has done features and one-on-ones with him and and knows him personally very well, she talked about the complexity of his intellectual thought and how he needs and thirsts for a challenge and wants to be challenged and wants to be involved in install and game planning because he recognizes the importance of that to his team, but also because you know, a, a chess piece like a Jalen Ramsey, who just kind of gives you something that probably there's probably five guys that do what he does across the entire National Football League, how important it is for that guy to be invested mentally and how that was the case here and how bad he wants to win for this Dolphins team. And he's been tweeting about how thrilled he is to be here, how excited he is to be a part of this team. And I thought it was cool to hear Coach say this. Let's go ahead and open it up with the Jalen Ramsey news here from head coach Mike McDaniel, who took to the podium and gave us an opening, uh, I guess, statement, an announcement here about Ramsey. And as we would later hear from Ian Rappaport, it does turn out the meniscus tear required a full repair 
And as for the timeline, who knows? I mean, we've seen several different reports that have told you various things. I don't even want to go into those because the accuracy, even within 10, 15, 20 minutes of each other, was was not accurate. So we'll wait and see on that until we get official word here from the team. Let's go to Coach McDaniel here for that opening statement about Ramsey and the reaction of the team around the injury to their star cornerback. I'm going to steal the floor from... uh, Whoever's going to try to beat me to the punch, obviously. Um, you know, yesterday we had a, a injury with Jalen Ramsey at the end of the practice. Um, it was a non-contact injury that uh, that was his meniscus, um, and uh, he is going to be having surgery at one o'clock today. Now, uh, you know the the length of this um, uh, rehabilitation. Um, it's kind of dictated on a couple uh, things that could occur in the surgery. So it's it, the exact timeline, Barry, is, uh, is a little to be determined. What I can tell you is um, I don't think, uh, you know, the, the beginning of the regular season is uh, really a, a part of the scenario. Um, it's uh, it, it's going to be into the season and how deep that is. Um, depends on kind of what happens today, uh, and real realistically, with the the way the team had practiced, um, uh, I, you know, I, I you don't know these kind of things, um, but you know, the, what was the most amazing thing about the whole thing um, was the way Jalen responded. He he spoke to the team um, yesterday, and it it. It really moved a lot of people. Um, he first uh, let everybody know how much he appreciated uh, this team, how uh, this this team is, has accepted him, and um, how you know he he has been in the league for a little bit, and uh, how he he knows that um, what we're doing here, in his opinion, um, is special for for his position group not to waver, and exuded all the confidence that he had. Um, in, in that position group, and one of the things that he that he said that was real cool for everybody was he 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 thought it. Um, he, he told all of his teammates not to worry, not to feel sorry for him. Um, he's going to whatever timeline the doctors give him. Um, he's he's going after that timeline and trying to flex that he'll beat it, um, and that uh, the uh, he, he realistically. Um, couldn't couldn't be more committed and excited to join the team um, again this year. Whenever that is, um, it isn't really up to him, and he he knows that. But uh, you know, it was uh, that that adversity is is not really um, an issue. It's it's an opportunity for a lot of guys to uh, really come together and step up. So it was a a team moment um, that was. Uh, really put together um, by Jalen, and and, uh, that's kind of where it stands right now. So again, as reports say, the timeline looks like December and sometime, but like Coach said, we'll see how that all plays out. And that's how this business goes. I I know it's easy to really get in your feelings about how unfair it might be or how annoying it is to lose a guy like that on day number two, but those things happen in the sport, and and teams find a way to win games in the absence of some of the best players. Every year I feel like we go through this where it's like, oh, player... X is out for the day. How are they going to win this game? And I, like, I've had that thought myself for, for years, but like it happens all the time. Like 
the Bills won games last year without Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer in their defense. Like you can, you can survive losses as long as it's not you know the quarterback position. If we're being completely honest, like that's the one spot where the real real impact comes. Obviously, losing your top players is never good, but you find ways to maximize your other top players and get you know, supporting performances out of the depth and you ride and you win football games. Every single year this happens, every team that wins championships did it without someone important to their lineup. You have to keep that in mind. Let's go ahead and hear from a couple more guys on the defense, on the impact of Jalen Ramsey and that message he gave the team after the fact that you heard from coach there. Let's go ahead and go first to Bradley Chuck. It just lets you know, I mean, uh, when you got a, a guy like that, a leader like that, to come up and bring everybody in and, and let, let us know before it gets out and stuff like that, it, it's, it means more than, than what you would think because I, I've been places where the media tells you stuff about your team before you could hear it, you know what I'm saying, yourself. So um, it was cool that he did that and everybody just rallied around it. And we just got to understand that, yeah, it's a big piece gone, but that's not the whole piece. We, we got a lot of other great players on this team and they just got to step up and, and fill that role. I want to play another soundbite here from Bradley Chubb, who was first asked about what it's like for the defense to have a day like this the day after the injury to Jalen Ramsey. Here's the Dolphins' outside linebacker. It one one hand says it means a lot, you know, because um, it, it's how we responded to it. You know what I mean? Um, whenever you lose a key piece like that, guys might get down. But then, in the other hand, a lot of people stepped up. A lot of people did exactly what they were brought here to do. You know what I mean? Step up and make plays for this defense and. Um, yeah, it, it sucks that he went down, man. And um, but like like I said, it's just got to be the next man up. He said that yesterday. It's just got to be the next man up. Everybody got to compete and make sure that when he comes back, <clears throat> that we full steam ahead. You know what I mean? So it's gonna be a, a, a journey for this defense to rally around each other and gather up and, and make sure we're doing everything we need to do. Let's hear next from defensive tackle Zach Sealer on the loss of Jalen Ramsey and how the team moves forward after the injury to Ramsey? You know, it's really sad. Um, I'm praying for Jalen. Hope the best for him. Um, hope we can get through it quickly. But uh, I think uh, Coach McDaniel had a good point where it's, you know, take this as a motivational piece and work for that. And hopefully when he gets back, we're in a good position. And look, I, I'm not typically someone who subscribes to the notion of momentum or someone performing better because it's a big moment. Like, I always get a kick out of the idea or the concept of clutch hitting because a 98-mile-an-hour fastball is always a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, whether the bases are empty in the month of April or they're packed full of base runners in October. I do think there's something about remaining calm and being able to control your breathing and your heart rate to execute in high-pressure moments. I'm not naive to that fact, but I don't think the idea of extra motivation because of bulletin board material or because of a contract year, I don't think anything like that makes you have better football technique or play better football. With that paragraph of a disclaimer, man, the defense sure as hell looked inspired today. Utterly dominant, particularly inside the trenches. And it began with Christian Wilkins, who I don't know what else you can say about this guy. He's one of the best players in the NFL. He's one of the best players at his position. He was better today than I've ever seen him. He was better today than I've probably ever seen anybody play. Like It was like Tyreek Hill last year. Like, wow, that guy you noticed his impact right away. That was Christian Wilkins on Friday. I was wrong about the orange jersey yesterday, though I stand by how damn good both Long and Cater were. But I think I would be pretty surprised if we don't see 94 in the orange jersey and all you guys come out here on Sunday for practice to hear Hamilton, whatever the hell Christian puts on the ox cord. He earned it with the way he played today. If it's not him, my pick is his buddy, Zach Sealer. Have mercy. Those two guys were not blockable 
on Friday. Now, I didn't have my laptop up because of the indoor facility and kind of have to stand behind the goalpost there, which really cool view, though. So I appreciate the fact that we got a different look at practice, but not as precise as I usually have my notes. But the sack total was definitely in double digits. And Christian might have had three or four of those. Zach might have had a couple of those of his own as well. These guys, we are just so lucky to have them. The workload they take on the versatility they demonstrate on defense, the way they work off of one another. And speaking of the conditioning and how, you know, Christian plays these 65 snaps every game that is just outrageous. There was a rep and I kind of want to start tracking this more where Christian was involved in the play up front. They extend the play after a probably would be sack and they throw the ball and Christian just takes off after the play and then continues to go. And the play began at our own 20 and he ran to the opposite 20. So what is that? Uh, 60-yard sprint, and that was the last play of his series. So the ultimate conditioning to just say, all right, play's over. I just ran four reps against, you know, Connor Williams and Rob Hunt and these guys that are so damn strong and, and, you know, inflict their energy onto me, which takes my energy out. To be able to do that, it just speaks to the way this guy works. I think he looks slimmer, but he's 315 still. Like, so he still got all the weight, just looks better. I would be, I'd be surprised if Christian Wilkins is not even better this year than he was last year. Let's hear from Duke Riley, who talked about Christian Wilkins' energy and what it provides to this football Man, team. I love Christian. That's like, honestly, that's, I mean, he knows that he's probably one of my favorite players on the team. You know, I love everybody, but I just love Christian every day. I see him, it's his laugh, it's his smile. He's probably one of the, you know, um, happiest guys on the team, I, I guess you can say. You can tell the guy really loves the game. I honestly have the utmost respect for him. I think that, um, you know, we definitely feed off of his energy. You know, and it, it, it just all relates to the type of work he puts in. I mean, he's constantly getting extra. I mean, days that he, no one's in the building, he's in the building. Days that no one's here first, you know, I, I try to get here early. You know, that's my thing, to get here early so I can get extra in, and I always see him. You know, it's just like, it's no secret, you know, when you see a guy like that, he's able to celebrate, he's able to be confident in what he does because of the work he puts in behind closed doors that no one sees. We heard that same sentiment from Chris Greer. I think it was during draft weekend talking about they'd come out to the facility, you know, early morning or late night, and they'd see a red light or a red dot out on the practice field. And like, what is that? And they turn the lights on. There's Christian Wilkins working out. So really good stuff, man. Let's go back to the podium here with Zach Seeler, who I asked about the relationship that he and Christian Wilkins share off the field. And there were so many stunts in this practice that those guys created chances for one another and got pressure on the quarterback or got into the backfield. So I wanted to ask him, how does your guys' relationship off the field you know, translate to success on the field. Here's Zach Sealer. Man, it's 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 been huge. Um, it's been a really blessing to be able to with uh, Clark, Raekwon, Christian, Emmanuel, um, just meshing. It's on and off the field, like you said. It's kind of like learning each other as a person, as a player, how to play next to him. Hey, what's Christian like? What's Raekwon like? Um, and that's something that's been really nice with a guy like Chubb, learning how he plays and how to ad- adapt to that, Phillips, all those guys. So... Um, it's been good. It's been an amazing system or amazing year to learn each other's and habits and how to play best off each other. Gosh, I sure do love watching those two just do what they do. It doesn't matter who's the pick man in those games, who's the one running the loops. They are just so technically sound. And I think what allows them to both do what I mentioned yesterday, and that's even if you're wrong or even if you're just you know off or lose the rep initially, they know how to get their hands back where they have to go, to reposition, to kind of reset the rep, how to get their feet back in the right position to get themselves where you know if my feet are here, I can get my body to this position faster and just turn the rep around and win it despite the fact that maybe they 
they didn't win it right away. And we saw it a few times, like Sealer working backside, closing down the front side, clogging things up. He was tagging off run plays with regularity. I said to Kyle Krabs, who was here at practice today, like there's so many plays where he could have just destroyed the back, but obviously tagging off, we're not going to do that in practice. I mentioned on the uh, defensive tackle preview episode, those guys combined for the most run stops of any defensive tackle tandem since 2006. And we saw that ability and those skills really play out on Friday. You know who else continues to have a really good start to camp? Raekwon Davis. And man, he's doing what we've praised him for in terms of eating up blocks and space in the past. But the production that hasn't really you know popped off has been there during these practices. He's getting off blocks and making plays at a rate that we just haven't seen him do to this point of his career. I think it would be fitting to watch him continue to blossom into year four now, which is kind of common, right? Like Christian Wilkins has gotten better every year. Raekwon can do that too, I think. I had Jalen Twyman and Brandon Peely with run stuffs again today. And then there was the guys off the edge getting their work in. And Bradley Chubb, who was in the orange jersey, uh, I thought was even better than he was yesterday. But what the hell do I know? He was getting around the edge with regularity, whether it was, you know, Kendall Lamb out there or Keon. It just didn't really matter. He was finding a way to get after the quarterback. And you can definitely feel the absence of Armstead out there uh, not being a left tackle. But man, the way that he's been setting edges in the running game really continues to pop to me, especially when he's to the side that designates him as the force defender, that last line of defense off that part of the formation. I've been extremely impressed with how he can fulfill those two roles at one given time. Sometimes you have guys that I'm just rushing the quarterback or I'm not even going to worry about pass rush. I just have to play this edge, play this gap and defend the run. I think when you have a guy like that, it takes a lot of pressure off the rest of the defense. And then it frees up Coach Fangio to say, all right, I've got more room to keep this safety as, as not a rat in the hole. I'm going to pull him back into coverage and impact the back end more. Let's go to Bradley Chubb here in his media. When he was asked about his experience in this defense and being a conduit between coach and player on the field because of his past, past work, with Coach Fangio. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. It's kind of cool because I'm kind of like another coach out there, guys coming up asking me questions. And, I mean, it feels a little weird sometimes when they ask me stuff. But at the end of the day, I've been here three years in Denver and just going on my fourth year in the defense. So it's dope, man, just to be another set of eyes and ears for those guys and um, kind of holding myself to a bigger standard because I'm in it. I know it. I want to know more of it. I want to know where everybody's at so I could know when to take my shots, when to play it true to the defense and stuff like that. And um, that's where my mind is right now. I thought Jerome Baker, Duke Riley, and Andrew Van Ginkle all had their best days. And Gink, we, we heard about it back in the spring about playing a little bit more off-ball backer. And he's he's doing a good job of that, man. The way he scrapes over the top and finds the back in the correct gap at the line of scrimmage, it, it looks like a natural fit for him. He was also getting that work off the edge, rushing the quarterback, a little bit of everything from Van Ginkle. Just the depth and the quality of this front seven is kind of ridiculous. You know, Warren Sharp caught some flack for putting Miami as his top front seven, but when you consider him with the Fangio system and Fangio here to make it all come together, I don't disagree with that, and that's why I think that you can survive losses you know, at various points because you have this depth, because you have three levels of the defense that have star players and guys that can execute this system at a high, high level. Look, when we get Jalen back, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be like you know, a, a getting a CC Sabathia at the trade deadline or for the Mariners last year, Luis Castillo. But in the meantime, I think it's still a one of the best teams in the NFL, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a hurt. It's a hit, obviously. It hurts, but they'll be fine, man. Uh, I told Kyle Krabs this, who's again down here taking in practice. I told him that Mitchell Agude has been very impressive and if nothing else might have put pressure on the coaches to just keep more guys in that edge group because of his play. And Kyle said like, oh, you mean it's a good problem when you have your number six edge or somebody like Malik Reed? And that's not to say that he is the sixth edge, but it gives you an idea of where the depth is with Chubb and Ogbon, Phillips and Reed and Gink and what Wilkins and Seeler can do out there. 
it's just a lot, man. Uh, Baker and Riley, I thought, worked really well condensing space and getting their angles on rushes of the quarterback right. They were coming after Tua and Skyler and Mike White all day long. They were getting those free runs and closing quickly to not just end plays, but really force the quarterback off the spot because those those blitzes, as long as you can disrupt that initial timing, it's it can change the play of an offense quite a lot and force a double clutch and a reset in the pocket. Then all of a sudden you're on broken route. So they just disrupted things all day long, start to finish because the front was so dominant. Very good day for those guys. Let's go ahead and take our first break right here deep into the podcast and come back on the other side and break down the secondary and tell you about the offensive side as well. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Back to the practice notes, and I thought we'd see Cater Kohu in the orange jersey on Friday, but I was wrong. I'll be wrong many times in the future as well. I think there's an outside chance you could see him in it on Sunday because he was so damn good again today. But of course, Christian Wilkins, I think, is going to make that impossible. Let's go ahead and hear from Mike McDaniel on the second-year cornerback who, like, I don't know, man. I I think he might be one of the better guys at that position in the NFL, the way he's playing right now and the way he played last year. Very excited about Cater Kohu. So was Mike McDaniel. I see determination and hunger to build on what he's he's really done. You know, um, that's kind of caters a prime example of uh you know seeking opportunity and every player is very aware of that last year we were sitting here talking about byron jones and my answer to you guys was not um oh yeah cater kohu you know and and keep in mind um every single rep every single day which is what our whole team's focus is um those things, the results of those, the development, um, the consistency, and the growth, that determines um, who's, who, who's playing and who's excelling, just like Cater showed. You know, the, that's why you um, breed competition, you get as many um, quality players as you can, and then you let the chips fall as they decide, not as we look at a piece of paper and say, okay, it's that guy. So the very first rep of one-on-ones, which we got a chance to watch today, I think it's probably a bit of an audible from going inside, smaller space to work with, only one field opposed to two. We saw one-on-ones, and the receivers and corners are coming right at us. The offensive line, defensive line drills on the other side, running backs and linebackers and safeties were in the middle. So receivers and corners was what I saw today. And the very first rep of one-on-one, they had to restart the rep because Cater went up against Tedrick Wilson Jr. and had such a good jam, the play got shut down. You don't see that very often. I recall seeing Xavier Howard do that to Calvin Ridley back in 2021 down here at joint practices and was like, oh yeah, X is really freaking good, huh? And what's crazy was that rep lasted about 90 seconds before it was no longer Cater's best rep of the day because this time he drew one of the best players in the NFL and Jalen Waddle, a top five receiver. Go, go listen to the Darius Slay and Rasul Douglas podcast where they're talking about who is the most slept on receiver and they talk about Waddle and how... Like they compared his speed to Tyreek's and how it's different speed, how Jalen can get out of the shoot like that. And we saw that on this rep where he unleashed one of his many devastating releases he has with a a hesitation step. Slow down, Travis. Uh, Where he gets on top of Cater pretty quickly with just an awesome looking route and he stacks him, which is what you want to do. And Tua uncorks an absolute dime. Waddle reaches out, makes the catch, but then Cater comes in last minute. And I tweeted about it, uh, a clip from ESPN's Matt Bowen, where Cater, or where 
In that clip, Stephon Gilmore, who's the best at this, got in the hip pocket and punches the ball out between the two hands of the receiver. Cater did exactly that. That is high, high-level stuff. And again, I put it on Twitter for you guys for reference. He's exceptional. I just He's really freaking good, man. And every day he's doing things that make me reiterate that point. And you can kind of hear the, the laughter in my voice because I don't often get this fired up about a guy, but Cater Coe, who's my dude, man. Javon Holland had a really good day too. You know, I think there's some potential there for him to kind of take on a little bit of what Jalen Ramsey might have been doing because I think, like I said, there's five guys maybe in the league, you know, Derwin James comes to mind, uh, that can do the things that Jalen Ramsey can do. And I think that Javon Holland might be one of those guys. And I think that you go back to his organ tape when he played that nickel star role. I think there's some opportunity there. And sure enough, I'm thinking about that. And then I see him play some coverage snaps, uh, one-on-ones and in team drills, you know, against slots and tight ends and, and things of that nature. And he's really, really good at that. His size and length really pops when he can kind of engulf some of those shorter guys inside, like a Braxton Berrios, for instance. He just gets on top and finds a way to reach around and poke the ball out without interfering with the play. I'm really curious to see how he's used this year because I think he's got really every tool in the tool bag. And you can basically choose what you want to do with him. You can mask weaknesses. You can expose weaknesses on the opposing offense. You can highlight strengths. It's up to Coach Fangio. And I like having that guy to make those calls. I thought Elijah Campbell had an excellent day, very good in coverage, good reaction to pass catchers, breaking off their routes and finding his way back into the passing lane. He's a guy who's always intrigued me, mostly because of his special teams work. But I think there's something there on defense. And I'm curious to see what his role looks like uh, heading into the season. Let's do some final defensive notes here before we play some more audio for y'all. Aubrey Miller had a good pass breakup on a shifty route from a back that I thought showcased a Skill set that I wasn't aware that he had. I know he's kind of got the Alandon Roberts B-gap to B-gap thumper, but that pass game skill set was not something that came with 52 previously. Maybe the new 52 has a little bit more of that. Uh, He flashed early. I thought Mitchell Agude was active once again, and I had Cameron Good with another potential sack hit on the quarterback. I thought Malik Reed had his best practice getting in the backfield consistently. And I also watched Jason Sanders, not a defensive player, but I saw him split the uprights about 45 times a day. Every kick he kicks in practice is good. Let's see it carry over to the season. Let's go ahead and finish up the segment here with players talking about Vic Fangio and start with linebacker Duke Riley. I guess just the way he breaks down every detail in his scheme. Um, I've I've been around a lot of coaches, and I can say that he's one of the smartest um, guys on defense that I've been around. I personally learned so much from him within a few months that's going to help my game. Um, And just seeing things, the way he teaches it, um, and you learn that from every single coach. You know, every single coach, you're going to pick up a few things. It's just Fangio, he's been around so long and he's seen so much. Um, and he's able to break things down to a different level because he's seen it from so many different angles and so many different guys and teams and schemes. So I think that um, he's great for us. Let's go real quick here to Zach Sealer. Uh, I think Coach does a really good job of tailoring his defense to the players that we have here. Um, I think everything we put in so far has been awesome. It's uh, learning process and kind of learning how to play with the guys next to us and learning how he's going to call it when he's going to call it a different place. A couple of things that really stand out to me, mostly the detail they all mentioned, and we've heard that consistently throughout the first three days here about the details that Coach harps on and situational awareness. I'm just very excited about what this defensive talent can do with that guy at the helm because it's looked the part so far, man. All right, there you go. That is uh, Zach Sealer and Duke Riley talking about the D.C. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back and talk some offense. I also want to play a couple more sound bites from Mike McDaniel. That's next, Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. 
So the best play of the day for the offense was a potential big ball that did not happen because of defensive pass interference on Xavier Howard. Very good matchup with X and Waddle going to the post on a deep shot, and Tua loaded up and laid it out there, and I'm 90% sure Waddle would have ran under it uh, for about an 85-yard touchdown or so, but X grabbed on and, and pulled him to the ground, and we could see McDaniel from his position deep in the defensive backfield signaling flag. Yeah, it was a clear DPI. And that was actually the case in a lot of the one-on-ones too, which you, you kind of understand because that is such a hard drill for DB, so you get lots of grabbing and lots of hands-on uh, receivers' jerseys. I didn't think there was a ton to say about the quarterbacks today. It was tough to get anything going from a rhythm standpoint and how unrelenting the pass rush was. Thought I saw a lot of inaccurate balls from uh, 14 and 19. Uh, not so much one, but but Tua just didn't really throw that many passes. There were so many plays that were blown dead because it was it was unrelenting. But he also would do a good job of getting off the spot and throwing the ball to a running back. You know, after probably a presumed sack, but you do want to see him finish that play and get the ball out. But you know, obviously that type of pass rush production leads to some issues on the offensive line, and we saw that pretty pretty uh, consistently. I thought Austin Jackson had a pretty rough day today. I thought that. Dan Feeney had a pretty rough day today. I thought a lot of the guys out there really struggled uh, with this pass rush. I thought Savon Ahmed ran well again, but that's been the case all camp long. We saw Tyreek and Jalen make a couple of nice plays. Ezukama had a really good one-on-one period, and that's really all I've got for you guys. Just not a day to talk about offense. It was about the defense today, but I am excited to see how they respond on Sunday with all of you out here, the fans in the stands. Let's go ahead and finish up here with some more media. I want to go back to Coach, who talked about the retrospect of taking Cam Smith back in the second round in April, because I remember a lot of the folks out there saying, Dolphins don't need cornerbacks. Here's Coach on taking Cam Smith and where they're at right now. Um, I know enough not to uh, project where they're going yet, you know, especially this soon, but, like, it is a journey. And, again, like, I, I, we weren't um, talking, you know, Cater Kohu played outstanding as a rookie. Um and I definitely know that he didn't come up um, in this uh, press conference a year ago. So um, I have seen steps forward and steps back. I've seen a consistent human being that um, has is earning the trust or earning the trust and respect of his teammates by how he's approaching things professionally. Now, what does that mean for um, like how he's playing? Uh, I don't even really think about that. It's more about intent, and you build and stack those days um, so that you can ultimately have a decision, but you don't prematurely decide, okay, he's doing this, whatever. I've been happy with his um, daily investment and how he's um, really uh, seen the pros around him, taken some notes, and is learning lessons every day. Um, sometimes those are good lessons. Sometimes those are bad. Let's go ahead and finish up here with head coach Mike McDaniel, who earlier in the press conference asked about losing sleep or if he was over the injury. And then you'll hear him reference that here in this answer because he was asked about how, I suppose, last year's experience of all the injuries and still qualifying for the playoffs, how that experience kind of helped his team develop their depth and their mentality of playing with depth. Here's coach talking about why he's not losing sleep. That's that's exactly why I'm not losing sleep. Um, you know, the... the you have to take um, what's in front of you. I, I talked to the team a, a ton about this. Like, there's so much that the world's telling us if you open your eyes and listen. And that experience, um, that's how we justify last season. Our goal was not to get to the playoffs and lose. So that, you know, that is unfortunate. So you have a choice. 
do you turn that into a failure or do you turn that into something that's a part of your future success? The only way you can do that is if you take what's there and learn from it. Hey, guess what? Injuries do happen. Every, that's why our veteran players are um, ta- in year two taking a huge step on personally holding the young guys accountable because you really learn that you need everybody to win. You need everybody to win. And this is if, if we um, hang our hat uh, at, at an injury, um, I mean, what is that doing? No, no, other, no other team really cares. I'm, if I'm holding my breath for um, the Chargers and everybody else to you know, shed a tear for us, um, I will be holding my breath. Okay, So uh, I, I think it's an invaluable lesson. Um, something that you can turn, you know, like everything in life, you can turn a perceived negative into a positive um, if, if your mind is right and you're trying to attack today and not yesterday. And there you have it. That is the podcast. We're going to have a day off tomorrow on Saturday. We'll see you guys all back here on Sunday for a very special uh, open practice to the fans and some other special events you'll be looking forward to on Sunday here at the Bathurst Health Training Complex. In the meantime, it's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins, also on the IG as well. Check out my guys at the Fish Tank, Seth and Juice. They do a great job every single Tuesday pumping that podcast out. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, some drive time and fish tank content as well. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Carolina and Cameron. Daddy is coming home.